going to be uh, teaching this morning. Uh, Steph has uh, been with us as she finished studies at Axe and worked here in Langley. And so now she's been doing an internship in Vancouver and lives there and is en route to, uh, with a team of individuals uh, to India and to work there. And so, um, Steph, we're going to give you opportunity later on to talk a little bit more about India as you get closer to actually getting on the plane and, and heading there. Uh, and as the team is able to be with us, and a lot of them are spread out different places doing fundraising and such this morning. Uh, but we are grateful that you're here with us. And I want to let you know, part of our responsibility as Steph's extended family and as a community here at Jericho is to stand with her in this project. And so if you'd like to support Steph in either praying for her or supporting her financially, uh, you can do that. There's cards that are available at the Welcome Center, and you can talk to Steph directly as well. Uh, there's a group that meets to support her for prayer. Uh, there's all kinds of ways in which you can assist her as she gains uh, at this uh, momentum to head towards India. I think right now you're about 75% funded uh, in terms of ongoing operational costs. And so if you want to partner with Steph in that way, uh, then we want to invite you to do that uh, as a part of Jericho Ridge. Um, so Steph, we want to pray for you. I'm very, very interested to hear what Raindrops on Roses, Whiskers on Kittens, Flying Unicorns, and Double Rainbows has to do with Romans chapter 3 as we're going through our series in uh, the book of Romans. So we're going to pray for you, and then uh, you'll begin our teaching time together this morning. So. God, we are uh, grateful for Steph. We're grateful for your hand at work in her life in so many ways. And so, God, uh, as she's here this morning to teach us the things that you've been placing on her heart and in her life, uh, we pray that you'd give us open hearts and minds to receive those things. We pray for her as she readies herself in her heart and all of the things that will go along with that and prepares herself for long-term work and service in India in the area of holistic church planting and mission there. And so, God, we pray uh, that you would give her everything she needs for that. We say that we stand with her as a part of her team in that way. And we want to pray that everything uh, that she needs for that project and everything that you have stirred up in her heart, the passion that you've placed in her heart for the people of India, would continue to be stirred up and we'd be partners with her in that, God. And so we thank you for the opportunity to hear from her and to hear from you this morning. And so we pray that uh, you would... Speak to us, God, by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Steph, welcome here. Okay, thank you. Is that noise me? No, it's you. Okay. Good morning. Is that me? It's my hair. I think my hair has been destroyed by this microphone this morning, but that's okay. It's not about my hair today. Um, is that seriously me? Am I breathing too heavy? I should not do that. Wow. I was trying to hide my nerves, but I guess I'm not doing that. Should I not use this microphone? Okay, we're going to try it. Um, well, good morning. It's good to be back with you guys again. So good to see so many familiar faces, and so good that you can hear me breathing this loudly. I should probably change microphones. Yeah. Um, I'll just maybe... I don't want to hold it, but can I just have it put near my mouth? Um, we're going to do coffee and connection time again. And so if you want to just say hello to your neighbor, someone that you didn't come here with this morning. Okay. We're going to just keep talking. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to uh, use this title this morning simply just lure you back, lure you back into uh, our sermon because I figured if I would have given you my real title, you would have left at Coffee Connection Time and not, not come back. And so the actual, um, should I keep talking? Oh, okay. Um, one second, please. Okay. Okay, is that good? Are we good? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no breathing heavy this morning. Okay. So the actual title of our, our sermon this morning is, um, we can go to the next slide, A Discourse on the Doctrine of Hamartiology, um, which I figured you would not want to come back and sit down. And so uh, we're going to just stick with the unicorns and rainbows this morning, although it's a complete lie. We're not talking about that at all. Um, so, as you know, you guys have been going through a series uh, in Romans, and I believe Brad's been preaching on chapter 1 and 2 of Romans the last few weeks, and I've, I've listened to them online, so I know kind of where he's been going with that, and uh, if you've been a part of that, then you know that it's been um, some pretty heavy, heavy-duty stuff. Romans is a pretty heavy-duty letter, and um, I was given the, the task of preaching in chapter 3 this morning, verse 1 to 20, and that's where we're going to focus our time on this morning. I just want to give you a really quick um, contextual view before we dive into Romans 3. In case you haven't heard those messages and this is your first time here or um, you've never read Romans before, there could be a variety, a variety of reasons why context would be helpful to you, as it is to me. Uh, so Romans, this is really quick. This isn't really in-depth, so don't get your hopes up. Um, Romans is uh, written to a letter written to the churches in Rome. They're house churches. And uh, they're generally comprised of, of Jews, but there's also Gentiles in these churches. And so um, one of the major issues going on in the book of Romans is the issue of equality. And, and what that means is basically there's Jews and there's non-Jews, Gentiles. Most of us are probably Gentiles. And um, the Jews have, of course, this history of, of, of Judaism and of their law and of their practices and now they have these Gentiles worshiping with them, and they're not quite sure uh, what, to, what to do with this. They're not sure if the Gentiles should also get circumcised, should the Gentiles also practice these different festivals and um, the Sabbath, and all these questions with the law that surround um, the way that they've practiced um, their, their religion for, for centuries. Now they're followers of Jesus, and they're asking the question, how do we work out our theology practically? And what do we do with these people that that don't have the same background as, as us. And so there's a major um, issue of equality going on. The Jews um, see themselves as, as being higher than, than the Gentiles. And so Paul is about to, Paul as a Jew, is, is writing a letter um, about to kind of put, in this section anyways, to put uh, the Jews in their place, which would just be equal with everyone else. And so he's talking about some... Um, some pretty important issues, issues for us today as well, as we think about issues of equality. We're not going to get into that today uh, very much, but at the end of our time together, we are going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to live out um, what we're talking about today in Romans. In chapter 1 and 2, Paul and Brad talked about this the last couple of weeks. Paul's painting a picture of uh, who God is, God's character, and also who humans are. And I know um, in chapter 1, you guys were talking about what it means when humans turn their back on God and what that looks like practically. Um, in chapter 2, there's a discussion about the law and how 
um, how the law benefits the, the Jews, and, and yet, in the end, it doesn't really benefit them. And, and, uh, and you talked about that last week, I believe. And so that's kind of the, uh, the framework for what we're talking about this morning in chapter 3, verses 1 to 20. Um, Paul is kind of summarizing, in a sense, the first two chapters. And so he's spending three chapters in this letter uh, to talk about uh, who God is and who they are. And then from there, he's going to take off and talk about some really cool stuff that we will just touch on this morning. But I know Brad's preaching uh, in next week, I believe, on, on the rest of the, of the message. Or maybe it's Keith, one of them. So let's turn to Romans, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 20. And we're going to read that together. And if you don't have your Bible with you, then it's on the screen. So we're reading from the New Living Translation, Romans 3, 1 to 20. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but not just because they were unfaithful. Does that mean that God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scripture says about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But, some might say, our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it it unfair, then, for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But, someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I have here next in my notes, pray, you need it. So <laughs> let's do that right now. Let's, let's ask God to guide us this morning. Father, we, we want to come before you um, as seekers, seekers of truth, Lord. Uh, we know that your word is truth. And as we talk this morning about some really hard things to swallow, um, Lord, we pray that you would uh, prepare our hearts for you for the work that you want to do in us this morning, Lord, wherever we're at. Um, we ask that, that your spirit would, uh, would be at work and would open up our eyes to see ourselves, to understand who we are as people, um, as a body, as individuals. But Lord, even greater, that we would understand who you are in that. 
So we just ask that you guide us this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, in preparing for this sermon, I, uh, well, preparing for any sermon, I always ask God to just to work, work out the passage of scripture that I'm, that I'm looking at uh, in my own life, because uh, I, I want it to be something that is not just things that I read in a book or, or in the Bible, um, but that I actually experience the scripture. And that's great when you're uh, preaching on things like love or joy or peace or unicorns or rainbows. Um, but I was given the, uh, the task of preaching on sin this morning. And I got to tell you guys, uh, it's been a hard couple of weeks for me um, because I prayed, I prayed that God would, um, would work this passage into my own life and, and show, me, uh, show me new things. And those new things really are because of the topic of sin, that show me my sin. And, uh, and he has certainly been faithful in doing that in my own life. And of course, we know that that's a good thing. Repentance is a good thing. But I want to also tell you that there was something else that God did that surprised me um, in preparation for this morning. And as I was preparing um, this message, I kept on getting just an overwhelming sense of God's love for me. And I didn't expect that to be necessarily a part of my preparation. Um, but it was there. I would be you know, in my room and, and studying and suddenly just reminded God loves me. He loves me. This is about love. And so I hope this morning that, um, that two things maybe happen in your heart. Um, number one, that you, are, uh, you come face-to-face with, with sin, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, um, but that you have an understanding a little bit deeper of, of who you are as a person, as a human being. Um, but then beyond that, I hope that you hear this morning uh, the love of God come through. And although we won't be getting a lot into that today, um, with Easter coming, I know that, that uh, and the rest of Romans actually as well, um, that's where this is going. And so maybe it'll even just uh, encourage you to keep reading after we, we finish today. But I hope that you, you hear that love. Um, as I said before, the perp- one of the purposes of, of Paul writing this letter is to bring unity among the churches in Rome. But I believe that another one of his purposes is that the, uh, the church in Rome understand the gospel. And um, because we really can't have unity, um, we really can't love each other until we understand God's love. And we really can't understand God's love until we understand our own hearts. And so Paul um, begins this letter a little bit harshly. Um, and so we have to also uh, begin that as well. And I know the last couple of weeks have, um, you've heard that message of, of God's, God's wrath and, and judgment but also his love for us. And so I hope that you hear that this morning as well. So we're talking about who God is, his righteousness, um, his truthfulness, his faithfulness. And we're talking about who we are, unrighteous, untruthful, unfaithful. Hard words. But we're going to do it. Are you guys ready? All right. <laughs> so we're going to look at Romans uh, 3, 1 to 20 in, in two sections. We're going to kind of go from verse 1 to 8. And then um, verse 9 to 20 is where we're going to camp a little bit more. In, in 1 to 8, uh, some would say that Paul is getting ahead of himself in this section. Because he doesn't really, he asks some, some pertinent questions here, but he doesn't really address them. He just says yes or no. Here's the question and here's the answer. And he doesn't really address uh, the why. Later on in this letter, he actually goes quite in depth in, in addressing the why of, of, these, of these questions that, um, that they might ask. 
as, as readers. Um, but what it does do in, in, in verses 1 to 8 is it highlights, again, and this is what Paul's been doing in the first two chapters as well, it highlights who God is and who we are. And I just said, I just said some of those. I'll say them again so we get it in our heads. Um, he, he highlights in verse 3, 3, the, faithful, the faithlessness of humanity uh, versus the faithfulness of God and just looking at the covenant that God made with his people and how they broke the covenant time and time again. And yet God remained faithful even, even with a broken covenant. And so he's, he's highlighting that faithfulness of God. In, uh, in verse 3, 4, he talks about every person being a liar. And, um, and God is true. And God is the God of truth. In 3, 5, he talks about the unrighteousness of humanity and the righteousness of God. Righteousness meaning um, the justice of God, the goodness of God. Um, not just in his saving action, but also in his judgment. That is righteousness. And in 3.7, he talks about the, the falsehood of, of human, humankind again. And then again, the truth of God, God being truth. Um, so he's obviously trying to make a point um, because he keeps repeating himself in these chapters. And it just seems really important to Paul that, that this, these churches understand this concept um, and so I think that's really important for us to understand as we, gra- as we grapple with, with the gospel, as we grapple with the rest of the letter. So the character of God stands in contrast with the character of human behavior. And we just see they're at polar opposites, and, uh, and this is the, the picture that, that Paul is painting here. Um, the question of, does the law um, better us in some way, the Jew would ask, because we were, we're God's chosen people. We were given the law, I mean, we, we have the Old Testament to show that God has been with us through the centuries. And, uh, and yeah, the, the answer is, yeah, there is, there is advantage to you, being, uh, to you being a Jew in that you have been given the law. And, and that saves you from a lot of stuff, as Brad was saying last week. Um, but at the end of the day, even with the law, it has not kept you from falling into the same rebelliousness uh, as the Gentile, you are you you've messed up in the same way, even with this advantage, and so you stand in the same position um, as the Gentile, as us. In Romans two twenty nine, um, Paul writes, "A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God," and he's he's getting at something that's beyond just the law, beyond just the things that we do, but the heart, the heart of the matter, the heart is the issue, and uh, and that carries on throughout the rest of the letter. Okay, let's look at Romans 3, 9 to 20, and this is kind of where we're going to focus the rest of our, our time this morning. So Paul is saying, basically, we're all equal. There's no one, it uh, doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter where you've, how much money you have, whatever. Everyone is equal before God. And what does that equality look like? We are all under the power of sin. That's his answer. We are all under the power of sin in Romans 3, 9. Well then, are we Jews better than others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. I think that's kind of the summary of, of chapter 1 to chapter 3, verse 20. That, that is the summary of, of what he's saying. He wants them to get, you guys, we are all slaves to sin. So sin, what is sin? That's a, that's a big question, and we're not actually going to um, go into it in depth this morning, but I wanted just to give you a, an idea of what Paul is talking about. Um, 
there's a lot of words in the Bible that, that, that would be translated to sin um, or that concept, that lawlessness, iniquity, uh, bad. Um, all these things uh, talk about sin. But Paul uses a word, um, hamartia, which is where I got that fancy-pantsy um, title from, and, uh, it's, which is the, the doctrine of sin. It's a huge discourse that we're not going to talk about. Um, but it means to miss the mark. And this is the, this is the word that Paul chooses to use uh, in talking about sin in this, in this um, context. And it's as if, um, as if you were an archer with a bow and arrow, and you kept flinging arrows at the target, and you just, you just keep missing. You keep trying, you keep missing. You keep trying, you keep missing. To miss the mark is, is the kind of sin that Paul is talking about. Um, so, of course, he's talking to, uh, to a Jewish audience that has this law that they keep trying to use to get to God. Uh, but beyond a Jewish audience, uh, he's also talking to Gentiles who strive in other ways to, to somehow reach God, to please God. And no matter Jew or Gentile, you will miss the mark. You are missing the mark. And so sin can be understood in, in two ways. Uh, deeds, things that we do, whether we commit sin, um, things that we don't do. We call it omission, when we should be doing something that we're not. But I believe that, that Paul is going a little bit deeper than just the deeds that we do, uh, the sinful deeds we do. He, in, in, uh, in his understanding of the world at that time, um, he almost personifies sin. Sin is almost like a force, and I'm not meaning like Star Wars kind of force, but, um, but sin is, is a force that controls uh, the world. And we are all under it, as he says. We are slaves to this force. Um, one of the commentary, commentaries I was reading uh, this past week, um, his name is John Toes and or Taves, and he, he says it like this. Sin for Paul is a power that enslaves. It is a bondage at one level to the power of the flesh, but it goes deeper. It is bondage to the power of the flesh, which completely enslaves people and the world. Sin, in other words, is not simply a deed, but a power force that conquers and enslaves all creation and all human beings. It'd be interesting to sit and talk with you guys and say, well, what do you think about this? We can't do that this morning. Maybe in your small groups uh, you guys can. But I think if we stop and, and just really think about, uh, about sin in that way, not just the things that we do, um, but this force in our world, um, I think we can see it. You know, I think we can see it in... Um, on the news, you know, with, with countries that battle each other and um, countries that battle themselves, you know, violence and um, oppression and genocide and all of those, those big words um, where lives are lost. We can see it in our own country. Um, we can see it in our um, political world, in our cities. We can see it in, in poverty and homelessness. These are all visuals that we have to remind us that something is not right here. Something is really broken. But we see it also even closer. We see it in our families. Um, we see it in our hearts. We see it when we drive, when we have road rage. I think I've actually mentioned my road rage here before, so you guys think I'm probably like this really angry driver. I'm not. But it's kind of like when sin comes out, when you're in your car and someone cuts you off and you're just like, oh, jerk. And you, people owe you something, right, on the road. You know, you should get first. And we, we just see it come out in all these small and big ways. And, and we, we sabotage, sabotage our life 
with, with sin. You know, whether it's just in a relationship where the words that we speak or the things that we, we do to people, um, when we come to church in the morning and we think that we're safe in these four walls and yet we find ourselves gossiping at coffee and connection time or, um, or sitting in our chair and looking at someone and going, oh, that person is, is this or that and, and comparing ourselves with other people. Um, we see it, it's everywhere and we know it. We know it's in ourselves too. Um, we don't go a day without, without having these kinds of thoughts. At least I don't. And I, I'm guessing you're probably the same. There is a battle raging um, for our lives, and we are all under the power of sin. This is what Paul is saying. And Paul uses the Old Testament to bring this home for the, for the, the Jewish audience he's speaking to. And um, I think I just found this really kind of fascinating. I hope you do too. Um, in uh, in this, the next part, um, Paul, Paul has some kind of a, a poetic thing going on where he talks about um, the throat and the tongue and the lips and the mouth and the feet and the eyes. And, and it's interesting that he's just covering, he's even covering our whole body and saying, there's not even a part of your body that is, is somehow whole or, um, or good. Everything that you say and, and do and everywhere you go, it's just, it's death. And he takes, he takes these um, right from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from Ecclesiastes, uh, from Jeremiah. And I just want to give you uh, an example of, of what he's doing here. In 3.13, he says, Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their speech is filled with lies. And this actually comes from, uh, from Psalm 5. So I think I put it up on the... Yep, I did. Good. Um, Psalm 5, it says, My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. And for centuries, the Jewish people would, would read this psalm and point to their enemies and say, God, destroy them. Like they are bad news. Destroy them. They're guilty. And suddenly Paul in this section is turning around these words they have prayed to God about other people and saying, no, that is you. You are the enemy. You have rebelled against God. You are equal to your enemies. And I, and I can just imagine being receiving this letter as, as a Jew and hearing my words come back to me, going, wow, like, is that really... Is that really who I am? Is that really how God sees me? And he ends the section, For no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what his law commands. For the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying it. And the NIV says, So that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Humanity is a slave to the power of sin, and sin demands our allegiance. That's, this is the reality that, that, that we have before us. Here at the end of this section, we are silent before God. We are guilty. We have no defense. We have nothing to say. And that is who we are. But remember that Paul is also telling us, but wait, 
Who is God? Remember, I've been telling you about who God is this whole time, and he is just and righteous and loving and faithful. So what is God going to do? What is God going to do? And that's where he ends this section. And that's not where we're going to end today, because that would just be, I don't know, not satisfying. Um, um, But what is God going to do in response to our silence before him in guilt? Response to our sin. I wondered when I, when I began preparing this, why would Paul write this letter in this way? Like, why start off with the bad news? Sometimes I guess we like the bad news first. Um, but he just, like, he hammers them. He's mean. Like, Paul is mean. And he just says things um, that, that are really hard to take. And uh, I just, I wondered, you know, why, why did he do it in this way? Why is it so important that he paints a picture of just, like, bleakness and depression for humanity? I mean, can't you just say something good about us? Like, we do good things. We can, we can help people across the road, old ladies across the road, if that ever happens to you. It never happens to me. But um, we can do good things. And, and I think Paul's not saying, yeah, like, he's not saying you can't do good things, but he's saying there's a deeper problem. You know, even when we do our, our good deeds, it's not, that's not what God is looking for. That's not the point. The point isn't just doing these good things. Um, We need a a change of heart, as he says in chapter 2. I've been reading a book called uh, The Prophet, and I wanted to share a section with you this morning that's just been really meaningful to me as I've I've grappled with this issue of sin. Um, I have it here. It's by this Lebanese poet, author, and it's been translated to English, so I'm sure it's even more beautiful in in Lebanese. Um, But it's a a book about um, a prophet who, it's a novel, so it's not like a real prophet, just so you guys know. It's not the Bible, so don't be thinking I'm mixing things up here. Um, but um, it's about this, this prophet who's leaving his city, and, and people are asking him, tell us about this, tell us about that. We want to hear what you have to say about these different issues of life. And so one of the, the people asked him, like, prophet, tell us about joy and sorrow. And this is what he says about joy and sorrow. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And the self-same well from which, you, which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit and the, the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And I think that's, that's true for us when we, um, when we understand our sin. Uh, it's as if we can almost replace words and, and say, the deeper that sin carves into our being or our understanding of our sin, the more joy or the more grace we can contain, the more we can understand uh, God's, God's love for us, the more we can understand the gospel and what it actually means that Jesus came um, as the answer to our problem of sin. When we understand who we are, the, the deep core of who we are, then we can begin to understand uh, God's grace. We can understand why it's so important that we understand God's faithfulness and his righteousness 
his truthfulness, as Paul's been outlining. And we can receive it when we understand who we are. There's a story in Luke about a woman who washes uh, Jesus' feet. And uh, it's Luke chapter 7. And the Pharisees that are with Jesus and this woman um, are just like, Jesus, do you know who's touching you? Like, she's a sinner. These are, these are high up Jewish people telling Jesus, she's a sinner. You have a sinner touching your feet right now. That's disgusting. And Jesus uh, talks them through some of what, what has happened um, when, when he came to their house. They didn't wash his feet, but here's this woman uh, with perfume, expensive perfume, washing his feet. And he, he just talks through the picture that they're in. And then he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. The one who is forgiven little, loves little. I think we need to understand in, in this letter especially that that Paul is, is writing this really bad news because he's about to give us some news that is out of this world that um, has never before happened and will never again happen. The Messiah has come, and he's about to give the answer to the problem of the power of sin in our lives. And it's good news. That's what the gospel means. It's good news. And I'm really jealous of Keith, which is a sin, because Keith gets to preach about this in a couple of weeks, and that would be just a, a, a fantastic uh, sermon to give. But I'm going to try to give a little Easter message here this morning. <clears throat> Sorry, Keith. Uh, next verse, and I'm, I'm totally treading on Keith's territory here, but we'll talk about that after. Um, Romans 3:21. I just had to do it. I just couldn't stop at 20, uh, 21 and 22. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the, the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And really, the rest of what Paul has to say is just unbelievable in how, um, how much God loves us and the answer that he's given to our problem of sin. I just pulled out a few snippets. Um, I, I did this a little search on, on the words like love and power in Romans, and it's just everywhere. And this idea of the power of sin that, that he establishes in, in, this, in this section, um, he then goes on to talk about the power of the cross, the power of, of the resurrection and of, of Jesus. And I just pulled out a few here. We'll, we'll read them together. In chapter 5, uh, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In chapter 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, or rendered powerless. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And we read over and over again in the rest of this letter that the power of sin has been defeated on the cross of Christ. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have received that, um, you are under a new power. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of, of, of Christ in you. And I think the reality is, is that, that I've had to grapple with is that no matter what, we are always under some kind of power. There's basically two choices in this world, the power of sin or the power of God. That's it. Those are our choices. We are always slaves to something. We are slaves to sin or slaves to Jesus. And, and I want to tell you guys that not just from reading Romans or the Bible, but from my own, my own experience with Jesus, he is a good master. He is a good master, and he really is faithful and good and loving and true. And uh, I can't imagine following anyone but him, because that's how good he is. And I think if we look at our lives and, and beyond and look at where the power of sin in our lives leads us, like it is, it is destruction. It is death. So what does this mean for the church in Rome? What does this mean for us? And, and I hope I'm not um, giving you some kind of spiritual, religious, mumble-jumbo kind of, oh yeah, that's great in my head or in my heart, but... You know, I walk out of here today and my life, my life doesn't change. I'm still struggling with the same old thing or um, my relationship with this person is still the same. I, I want you to know today that, that this is real. Like, this is real, life-changing, transformational stuff. That whatever it is that, that you are in bondage to, like today, now, this moment, you can be free. Like that's what, that's what the rest of this letter is talking about. That's why we have to understand um, the power of sin in our own lives because, because if we understand it, then we can, we can lay it down and go, okay, I don't, I don't want this anymore. I want what Jesus has. He disarms sin. Uh, in Colossians, he, uh, Paul talks about how Jesus has just totally defeated every power in the world. And he, he reigns, um, but we have a choice. We don't have, to, we don't have to live in that if we don't want to. Even as Christians... Um, we can just sit our whole lives and, uh, and, and be in bondage. I mean, we have to, we have to choose to, to, to walk free, to break free, and, and Jesus is the power that allows us to do that. And again, this letter is about very practical things. Um, from, from chapter 13 to 15, Paul is talking about how to love each other. You know, love, how does that have to do with how sinful I am? Um, but again, when we understand God's love for us, then we can understand how to love other people. Because love, that's such a, an overused word. But the love that Paul talks about and the love that, that Scripture um, gives us and the love that God shows us is, is unconditional. And what does that mean? That means that, that we get beaten up. We get beaten up when we love other people. Um, it means that we lay our lives down for other people, for each other, for us here. Like, we are God's body. And, and we lay our lives down for each other. It means that we're selfless. Like, selfless. That's really hard. Yet, this is what the power of Christ in us enables us to do. Um, Paul says in, in uh, Romans 13, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Another version says, accept uh, your debt to each other. Your debt to love each other. We have a debt to each other. I owe you guys things. I owe you my love. For the rest of my life, that's what we do. We, we know God's love, and it transforms us, and so we love each other, and we love 
the world, however God asks us to do that. But let's bring it in and, and, and look at the things that we're, we're wrestling with today. You know, those relationships that you have that are, that are broken, that um, you, just, you just go around in circles, that can change. This is the power of Christ in you to change that. But we have to face who we are, and we have to come to a place of, of wanting to turn from that. We have to understand that we are, by nature, um, rebels against God. Um, but when we, when we want him in our lives, um, when we turn in repentance and, and walk towards him, uh, he will do unbelievable things in your life, and he will use you in unbelievable ways. And he will transform your relationships. Um, I can guarantee that to you. Guaranteed. I don't have any money to put on that, but um, if I did, I guarantee all my support. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Um, he will change uh, your relationships. He will change your heart. He transforms our mind and our hearts. And this is good news. And if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about it um, because it's changed my life. And I hope, I hope you can say that it's changed yours. Um, so today I want to encourage you to just to take time, maybe when you go home today, just to go, God, search my heart. You know, search my heart. I want to understand my sin. I want to understand who I am without you. It doesn't matter if you've lived a wild and reckless life or if you've grown up in, in the church and you became a Christian um, when you were conceived. Um, it doesn't matter. It, we're all the same. We all, the acts are one thing, but in our hearts, we are all exactly the same. We are all um, rebellious against God. And so just take some time to really understand your heart and then take some time to understand that in your sinfulness, um, God sent Jesus. When you were completely um, turned away from him, God sent Jesus to fix that problem, um, to restore you and to make you into a new person. And I just, my prayer up to this point, and I'll keep praying it, is that, is that you meet Jesus in a new way today, whether that's for the first time or, um, you know, you've been a Christian a long time. Would you meet Jesus today and let him do whatever it is that he wants to do in your heart today? We're going we're gonna to close uh, in prayer. And Bree, if you want to come up. Um, I normally, when we close in prayer, we pray. That makes sense. Um, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to sing a prayer for you this morning. Um, this is a prayer that um, I, I've, I wrote probably about three months ago. And even before I knew I was going to be preaching on this this morning. Um, but I was just considering. I was, I, was, I was having a rough day. And I was considering brokenness in my own life and, and in the world. And I was just calling out to God, God, we need you. We need you to change us. Um, we need you to come again. I need you to come again in my life. And... Uh, and transform me again. And so this is, a, this is a prayer that just talks about that. The words are up on the screen. Thank you. And if, if you can't uh, understand our mutterings, then uh, feel free to, to look. But I, I want this to be a time of prayer. So this is just like um, people singing to you. This is, we are praying, and so I hope that you pray with us and just consider, consider the words, consider what God is, is, is working in your heart in this moment, or he has been working in your heart. And... Uh, and just come to him, however you are, wherever you are, and, uh, and let him transform you.
So let's pray together. Are you praying? So, <laughs> I got this. If you do want to pray with someone, uh, there's going to be prayer teams around. Um, so, just however you want to pray uh, with people alone, sitting, standing, let's just turn our hearts towards God and ask him to do his work in us today. Redeem. 
like I'm still with no fear I am calling you are here That sinking feeling This water's part of me Take 